This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so um, last week at this time, definitely didn't have in mind to be talking about the tragedy that happened this past Shabbos in Flatbush. Um, you know, in the beginning I felt that it shouldn't be something that I would talk about. It's too big, it's too, it's too tragic, it's too big to try to figure out why, what, and where. But being the position that I'm in, that I, that I'm a teacher, and, um, I knew that there'd be a lot of questions after last Shabbos. So, it's my custom, Matzah Shabbos, Saturday night, to learn Zohar since I'm 40 years old. Since I, since I was 40 years old. And the reason I learned it Matzah Shabbos specifically, not during the week, is that on Matzah Shabbos, you still have your Neshama Yisera. On Shabbos, you get a second, second soul, a special soul that comes only for Shabbos. And it's a very holy soul. And that leaves after Malava Malka. Matzah Shabbos, it doesn't leave where you make Havdalah. But after you have Malava Malka, Matzah Shabbos, that soul leaves. So I always felt that my weekday soul, I don't know if I would be learning any Zoyar. But the Shabbos soul, so as long as I have that, I could learn Zohar. So much of Shabbos, I learn a little bit. I open, I open my Zohar, I learn a little bit, and then I have my I have my Malamak and I bench, and and that's my Zohar for the week. So, I was sitting this past month of Shabbos, of course, after this terrible, terrible tragedy that happened in Flatbush, the seven holy children that that passed away in the fire, and of course, I was very disturbed. Everybody's very disturbed. It's traumatic. And um, I said, listen, I said, Hashem, maybe you could help me out here because I have no idea why this happened. Who am I to say why this happened? And I don't even, what am I going to tell my tummy door and my tummy dim when they're like, Rebbe, what's, you know, what's going on? So I sort of made a little bit of a deal. And I said, um, if you could help me in the schus, not in my schus, but in the schus of all my tummy dim, you could help me understand and try to explain to them such a tragedy. Um, I'm just going to open the Zohar and if it it should open up to a place where I'll see a message from you specifically that I'll understand that you know uh, something to give me an understanding of, of what this is and if I open the Zohar and it talks about a totally different subject then um, I'm not Zaycha you know or maybe I'm not supposed to know so I this is the Zohar that I use and um, it has a few parshas in it Vayikra, Tzav, Shmini, Tazviyam, has five parshas. I didn't want to open to any specific parsha. I just opened the Zohar. And this is the page that it opened to. I'm going to read you what it says. It happened to have opened to parsha by Yikra, even though it's not the beginning of the book. But it's still parsha by Yikra, which is the, the parsha of last week's parsha of Korbanos. The first parsha in the Torah that talks about sacrifice, sacrificing. Um, and I said, okay, let's, let's see if, uh, I sort of said, Hashem, I'll be your best friend if you help me out over here. <laughs> so we're now best friends because you he helped me out. We're always best friends. I mean, I hope so. So um, this is the, I want to read you what I opened up to last month's Shabbos. It says the following. The first two words. Ta chazi. The Zaya was written in Aramaic. Ta chazi. What does that mean in Aramaic? Come here. And see, and I want to tell you something. So the minute I saw these two words, and that's not used in the Zaya very often, I was like, wow, this this could be really incredible because I'm opening up to the beginning where it says, 
where sort of saying, Tochazi, come here, I want to tell you something. So I'm like, that's what I asked for. That I should get a message. Uh, all these pages in this whole Zoya, I want to show you where this opened up to. This is what it says. Bishata the Tzitkaya Ishtuchuba Oma. Come and see. In the time that Sadiqim are living in the world, protecting the world. And also the little children, Tinoikis based Rabbim are children who are like under by mitzvah, little kids who are pure and clean. And they're found and they're learning Torah. Through the tzaddikim and the young children, young Jewish children, they break the terrible gezerot, the terrible edicts that are become, that are continuously new in every single generation. And as long as there's children learning Torah and tzaddikim, the shechina is able to live with us in this terrible galus. But if the schusim are not enough because of the dar, then the, if, if it's not for the tzaddikim and these little children, the Jewish nation and God would not be able to be would not be able to be together in this world. And if you're going to find in the dar tzaddikim, but with all their schusim of the tzaddikim, they're still not able to bring forgiveness on the sins of that generation. They are taken first. Kalayma, to tell you, Shemesim, that they die. In order to forgive the sins of the generation. But if there are not enough tzaddikim, these little lambs, who are the children of these little children of the of their school, that the world exists in their schus, they're taken away too. Hashem takes them away from the world, like these seven children. Even though. Even though they are pure and they have never sinned. This happens in order to forgive the sins of the generation. This is where my Zayar opened up on Matzah Shabbos. So it was very clear to me that these seven Korbanos that passed away last week in a fire were a kapara on the sins of the generation because it's very clearly of all the pages in the Zaya that opened up this is what opened up and the funny thing is that the Zaya uses the Lashen he doesn't call them children he calls them Gideon, lambs and anyone knows everyone knows that on Rosh Chodesh which was last Shabbos the Karbonos of Rosh Chodesh is Sheva Kavasim seven lambs Two parim, which the father spoke in Eretz Yisrael, he said, the two parim, which are the biggest of the, all the animals that are there, he says, it's me and my wife with the parim. The Shevin Kfasas were my children that died. And the Gedi, is, and you bring one, one Izim, one goat, 
says, that's my daughter that made it out. He said this in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. So, I got my answer. And my answer was that this wasn't an accident, this wasn't a smoke alarm, this was a carbon that the Zayar is saying that when there's a danger, a gzera means a danger to Klaistral, that who knows, maybe a, a yeshiva was supposed to be blown up by terrorists, I don't know. With that I can't tell you, we don't know what it is, but that there's a gzera on Klaistral, that Hashem takes away children that are, never have sinned, and are pure, as a kapara on the generation. So I got my answer. So then I said, okay, for, for what? What, what kapara for what? So, okay, this is just an opinion. I'm just telling you my opinion. So I look, I, I always, the Chobetz Chaim speaks about it, and all the Sifri Musa speak about, that if something goes wrong, if you have pimples in your mouth, okay, then you should think about what, how you're talking and you might be talking Lashon Hara. If you have pimples in your mouth, it's not because you stole money. Because that's not to me the Kinegamida. If you have a terrible earache, then you're listening to things you shouldn't. If you have a headache, maybe you're thinking about things you shouldn't. If your eye is full of pus and it's all red, then maybe you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. So he always says, look at the aver, the limb that's, that's suffering, and think about what you do with that limb, and do tshuva. So this happened on Shabbos. And it was so sad, because Sunday morning when I went to shul, all I was hearing in shul is, you know why it happened? To teach all the Jewish people to buy smoke alarms. And I said to myself, that is the most foolish thing I've ever heard in my life. Why? You do have to have smoke alarms. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. By the way, this wasn't this people's house. They weren't living in their own house. So they moved into this house. It only had one smoke alarm, whatever it is. That's not why it happened. Because I was looking at this guy who was telling everyone, you see, if they have smoke alarms, that's why this happened. I said, can I just say something? Seven children had to die to teach you a lesson about smoke alarm. If one would have died, you wouldn't have learned the lesson. Forget about that. If one would have been in a coma for a couple of days and then come out alive, everybody would say, oh my gosh, they would have had smoke alarms, this kid would never have been in a coma. Hashem didn't take seven children from the world because of a smoke alarm. Because we could have learned that lesson if a kid would have gotten a third degree burn and he's in the hospital, everyone would say, you know, he wouldn't have gotten the burns if he would have had a smoke alarm. And we all would have went out and bought smoke alarms. Seven kids? I said, what are you, I don't want to say stupid, are you foolish? You're telling me Hashem took seven children out of the world? To teach us about a smoke alarm? He couldn't give us a different lesson? Come on. So what the Satan's koyach is, that instead of allowing you to focus on the ikker, the main thing, you focus on the details. And exactly what the Zarya says happened, because the Zarya says that before Hashem takes children, He first takes rabbis. And the four people who died in Eretz Yisrael in a terrible death, Right, with machetes in a shul. He took four rabbis. And people were walking around and saying, you, you know why this happened? Because every shul in Israel should have a soldier standing outside. 
That's why four of them died and their children were full of blood and the shul was full of blood. Hashem had to do that to teach us a lesson. An Arab could have gotten into a shul, shot up five guys and injured them. And they could have all been healed and we would have learned, oh my gosh, how did an Arab get into a shul? You should have armed guards. You don't have to kill four Jews to teach us that lesson. That is so silly. And other people said, no, the lesson is Jews shouldn't hire Arabs to work in their grocery stores. These two guys came from a grocery store, right? That's what Hashem had to do. Four tzaddikim die in a shul to teach us you shouldn't hire Arab guys working in an Arab grocery. So the Satan goes ahead and he takes the details and he makes them the ikr. The detail is the smoke alarm. That's not the ikr. Yes, you need to have smoke alarms and you need to have carbon dioxide alarms in every single house. There's no shyle about it. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. Every person has a mitzvah to protect himself, to have locks on the door, to have smoke alarms, to have carbon dioxide alarms, right? To have fire extinguishers in the kitchen. We have a chiyav. But that's not why seven children died. The Zaya says why seven children died. Because there was a gzeira against Klai Yisrael. And when there's a very bad gzeira, first Hashem takes Sadiqim, he did that a few months ago. And if that doesn't work, and we don't do tshuva, then the next thing is he takes t- children, That's where it opened up. I didn't know where it was going to open up. It could have opened up to talk about a million different other subjects. So, we have to look at when it happened, and we have to look at how it happened. So it happened on Shabbos. So the message had something to do with Shabbos. It happened, another guy in Shul was talking about, well, these hot plates, they're made in China. And if it's made in China, so it doesn't have the UL guarantee. I don't know if it's true or not true. And that's why you shouldn't buy things from China. So seven kids died to teach us a lesson. That you, this is what this guy's saying. That you shouldn't buy something from China. Are you out of your mind? Is, is that, that the lesson? That you should check every plug in your house and make sure it says UL. That's why Hashem took seven carbonos from one family. People are, the people are crazy. They're crazy. That, that's how you understand it. You're going to walk out of this whole thing and say, I don't have to do tshuva. I got to make sure my electric plug is correct. That's his koyach. So I'm thinking, what is a hot plate? A hot plate is Shmir Shabbos. Why do we have a hot plate for Shmir Shabbos? It happened on, specifically on Shabbos. What is the way the Torah says you're not allowed to be Machal Shabbos? You know how it says that in the Torah? It's a pasuk in the Torah. You should not allow a fire in where you live. That's the mitzvah of the Torah that you're not allowed to be Machal Shabbos. So the whole Chil Shabbos in the Torah the expression of the Torah on Chilul Shabbos is a fire should not burn in the dwellings of Klai Yisrael during Shabbos. Well, last week a fire did burn in the dwellings of the Jews on Shabbos. So, I, you know, I'm not the greatest clue reader in the world, but a thought of Hashem is like, not hiding this. It's not that some terrorist came in and killed seven kids, that's not what happened. It's a fire on Shabbos through a keli, through a hot plate, which is used to keep Shabbos. So to me, the message is, and I have felt this for a very long time, that for the last while, Shabbos is taking a beating. 
and has been taking a beating. When I grew up, there was no one, even the most modern kid was not Machal of Shabbos. Nobody was smoking on Shabbos in public. The guy that was smoking on Shabbos was hidden in a bathroom somewhere, right, with the window open and a bunch of spray that he could spray aerosol that nobody would ever know that he's Machal of Shabbos. So I'm sitting much of Shabbos by Malaba Malka, and I'm like, it's a message to Klaistrel that, you know, we know that when God fell in love with us on Pesach, and when God decided to give us the Torah, which is the Kedushin, he wanted to buy us a, a, a pearl necklace, uh, that special thing that the Chassan gives the Kala in the Yichud room. Right? You buy pearls or a diamond brooch or whatever it is, right? It's a very special thing. So Hashem, it says, the measures the very beautiful measures. He went into his treasury to find something beautiful to give his Kala. And he found the most beautiful thing that he has, and that was Shabbos. So the Medrash says. So his present to us was Shabbos. And when you take that present and you abuse it, there's a price to pay for it. So I was sitting last month to Shabbos, and I'm like, I know kids that don't keep Shabbos. I know kids that come to a Shabbaton and they're telling me that they're going to smoke. And I tell them, well, if you have to smoke on Shabbos, don't smoke in front of the hotel or in the hotel. Go around the block. What, 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 why are you saying that? Like, why aren't you more sensitive to how could you smoke on Shabbos? So there's a very famous story with Chavetz Chaim where there was a, a boy thrown out of yeshiva because he was smoking on Shabbos. And they brought him to the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim held his hand. And he said, is this the hand that was holding the cigarette on Shabbos? And the boy said, yes. Chavetz Chaim didn't criticize him, didn't say you're a bomb, you're an Isva. He didn't say none of that. All he did was hold his hand, close his eyes, and start crying, weeping bitterly. And all he said to the boy was, Shabbos! Shabbos! And it says that the Chavetz Chaim was so hysterical that the tears, his tears of the Chavetz Chaim, I can't understand what that is, fell onto this boy's hand. That was the hand that smoked the cigarette. And, and, and he left and he said that hand never, ever, ever smoked another cigarette on Shabbos. And he became a very, a big mouth or whatever it was. And the Chavetz Chaim didn't even miss The Chavetz Chaim was like, who was he crying for? The boy? He was crying for Hashem. He's like, you gave us this amazing present and we're throwing it back in your face. And we're so desensitized. Like, you know, we see kids who are smoking. Again, I'm not judging the kids and what they went through, whatever it is. But the pain should be for Hashem. I'm so sorry that you have children that don't appreciate that beautiful thing that you gave us. We became desensitized and we used the 18 minutes and we can't wait till Shabbos is over. And we sleep a whole Shabbos and we, we're just not connected to Shabbos. And I think that, the, the, again... I think that the cry over here of this terrible tragedy that it happened through a keli that's for Shmira Shabbos and it happened on Shabbos. And the Zayah is saying they are kabanos. There was a gzeira. He's saying specifically there was a big gzeira against us. A terrible edict that they took the hit. They were the kabanos. So the message to all of us is we need to work on our Shabbos. Hashem's not mavater. That we're not so strict about our Shabbosim and that we're not doing Shabbos the way we're supposed to. So everyone needs to take on themselves maybe five minutes to light early. Maybe not to be in the shower during the 18 minutes. Maybe to go shopping for Shabbos. Maybe to daven on Shabbos. 
Everyone has to know themselves what they need to do. I'm not telling you what to do. But there's no question. If you have a pimple in your mouth, then it's Lashonara. If you have an earache, then it's something that you listen to. If your hand got hurt, then it's something you did with your hand. If your leg got hurt, then it's something where you went with your leg. That's what we learn in Sifri Musa. So if it happened on Shabbos through a, through a hot plate, Hashem is screaming at us. It, there was Xera, and the basis of the Xera was because of Shabbos. That's my take. I may be wrong, but that's my take. And as my Talmidim, I have to tell as a Rebbe what I feel. And I feel very strongly that we have to be, we have to work on our Shabbos and we have to show Hashem how much we appreciate it. And if someone is Mechal Shabbos, it has to bother us. Not to be angry at them and to judge them. That's not what I'm saying. It has to bother you. It, it's, if you, if you see a husband giving a wife a, a set of pearls and she takes it and she throws it in his face. Right? So I don't know what she's going through. But it's not a very sad scene. If you saw that scene, even though he may be, it may be, there may be reasons, right? But at the bottom line, that's not something you want to see. You don't want to see a, a, a wife throwing a beautiful present back in her husband's face. So we don't know why the kids are being I'm not making excuses. I'm not going one way or the other. At the end of the day, he's being machal He's smoking in Hashem's face. He's smoking on Shabbos. He say, "Here, I am smoking on Shabbos. I am machal Shabbos." So even I'm going to put my arm around him and say, "Come, let's dive and let's do that." At the same time, I have to walk in. I have to. I have to. St- I have to be. I have to start crying. Shabbos. Look what happened to my Shabbos. Look what Shabbos looks like. Drinking, getting drunk. What does our Shabbos look like? We need to pick up. It happened in Flatbush. We need to pick up. Flatbush needs to pick up, and the whole Kaisal needs to pick up and start treating Shabbos the way Shabbos has to be treated. That's my take. Is that why they died? They were tzaddikim. There was some kind of gezerah. They saved all of us. I don't know what was supposed to happen. I'm not big enough. But the Zohar says very much that if there's a gezerah on Klai Yisrael, that sometimes the biggest tzaddikim are not big enough, their death, to help us, and Hashem has to take children. So there was some huge gezerah on Klai Yisrael that they took the hit for. They're sitting in a place that Rav Chaim Vital I told it to you many, many years ago it's a, uh, that, that, that children that die, pure children that die, that there's a place in the next world, the Sraf Chaim Vital says, that there's a whole story with a mother and she wanted, in a dream and she wanted to see her child. And El Yonavi took her and he, she was, it's a very famous story. And he took her to Ganev and she saw her husband and then she wanted to see her child that was, that was killed the Shem Shemayim. And El Yonavi said, I can't take you. And she said, why can't you take me? He says, because in the room that these children are, I can't go in. The Moshe Rabbeinu can't go in. The biggest malach, matatron, the biggest malach in Shemayim, can't go into their room. The light is so bright that the children, this is what he says, Chaim Vital, that the children are learning with the Shekhinah. So, so the, the, the biggest malach is not allowed into that room. Can't go into that room. So Eliyahu he said, I'll ask, it's a famous, it's a Chaim Vital. Eliyahu said, I'll ask your child to come out of the room that you could see him from far, so that you know that he's okay. Because in that room you cannot go. Very famous story, crazy story. So these seven children, they're sitting in that room. They're in a crazy good place. And they sacrificed their lives, their neshamas, that we could be, sit here today and we could be saved. Because according to the Zayar, there must have been a crazy Xayar on Kleistral. Crazy Xayar. Who knows what Xayar they, who knows what, maybe a missile from Iran, who knows what, what the, what, what the, did Vecheshman, nobody can know. So I gave a class, and I spoke about Shabbos and everything, and this 
somebody got really upset, like who you think you are, you think you're Moshe, you think you're God, how could you give reasons? I'm like, I'm not giving reasons, I'm telling you, Zaya, you can't, that's Rav Shimbai Choy. This is not Rabbi Walsh, this is Rav Shimbai Choy. I said, and as far as Shabbos is concerned, I mean, it happened on Shabbos, it happened through a Shmir Shabbos, so what should I, what should I think? That's because girls, because girls are not sneers? That's why it happened, or because of Lush and Hara, or really if I want to pound out my book, because of lack of Akar Satov, it's not because of lack of Akar Satov, then it would have been, it would have happened differently. And it could have happened, if it's about a hot, it's about smoke alarms, it could have happened on Tuesday, and that seven children didn't have to die to teach us that lesson. So you have to use your chachma, use your brains a little bit. So what happened on Shabbat, through something that's supposed to be Shemir Shabbat, and it happened on a Friday night, and it happened through fire, and fire is like Savaro Eish Bechomosh Vesechem. That's the representation of Shabbos, and this fire burnt in Amosh Vesechem, which represents Chil Shabbos, because you're not supposed to have a fire on, right? So I'm like, the whole thing, so this, she was really upset. She would have rather that you don't give any reason, and you just walk out and say, smoke alarm. You buy a smoke alarm, and that was the lesson. I'm like, I'm like Something's got you, man. If that's what you think, that's why they died. If you think that you're just going to go home and buy a smoke alarm and everything is good, you, you know, there's a very famous story. I don't remember the story exactly, but maybe you, you remember. It's a story in literature, and it's like a, this crazy story. And there's this one detail in the whole story, right, very special detail, that the girl in the story, it's a very tragic story. I remember reading it in literature. They were trying to teach us a lesson, which was... And, and it was a very tragic, very tragic story. And, and, and it was in France. I don't remember exactly. And the, the one detail in the story was that she had a, she was wearing a red dress. That was like the one detail. Everything else was sad, blah, terrible. Now at the end of the story, right? So they asked the person, so what do you remember about the story? And like 90% of the people they asked said there was a girl in a red dress. Now, that was the most unimportant detail of the whole story. People were dying, people were suffering, all kinds of stuff going on in the story. 80 to 90% of the people, all they remembered was, tell me, what, what do you remember from the story? There was a moral, there was a lesson, all the stuff was in the story. What you, there was a girl in a red dress. That's what the Sutton said. Seven children died, crazy tragedy. What did you get from it? Smoke alarm. The girl in the red dress. The detail. Smoke alarm. Not that that should be discounted. You should have a smoke alarm. That's not what this is about. And for Tzadikim dying in a shul, it's not about not hiring Arabs or having a soldier outside of every shul. That is not why these four Tzadikim died. He has this crazy kayach, the satan, of taking the biggest tragedies and making you focus on the red dress. And that's why everyone's walking around. Everyone's walking around focusing on the red dress. Anyway... So we got into this whole this whole back and forth, and just at a certain point, she was, it, it got really chutzpahdik, you know, the way this person was talking to me. So I'm used to talking to boys. We, I, was, I told you a long time ago my eighth grade story. I really told you the boys, and I'm like, listen, because she was like, I don't care what you're saying. She was like, Mom is yelling at me. And I'm like, oh. So at one point, I said, I should have said, you're a little kid. You're 19 years old. I'm, I'm a Rebbe, I'm your Rebbe, I'm 57 years old. You can't talk to me this way, right? You're a mechutzif. Instead of saying you're a mechutzif, I said, you know, you're acting like a punk. Now, by boys, a punk is like if you have a 20-year-old guy and a 12-year-old kid, you're like, hey, you're a punk, I'm 20, you know, I'm a 12th grader, you're a little punky 9th grader, back off. But 
using the word punk coming from Robert Wallstein to a girl, she was like totally. So what happened from my whole share? My whole share of talking about Shabbos. Everybody walked out. What did they get from the whole share? Rabbi Wallenstein said punk. He's the best. The HR is best. The dress is red. Right? The whole shear. We're talking about Shabbos and all the... Rabbi Wallenstein said punk. So someone made a comment and said, you know, if my, if my child's Rebbe ever called him a punk, I would go to that school. I would get him fired. I would give him, I would tell him what I think of him. So I said to this person, I said, you see, that's the difference between this generation and my generation. My father would have said, I, I know you, Rebbe, he's a, good, he's a good guy. If he called you a punk, what did you do to get him so agitated? Not, I'm going to go to school, get him fired, get the Rebbe fired, get him thrown out, give him what I have to say. My father would say, Zechariah, what did you do to get him so angry? We need to fix that. Your Rebbe should apologize to you. You should say you're sorry, and I did. You should say you're sorry. But wow, if your Rebbe lost it to that point, what did you do? Well, I answered it back, and I called him a name. And that, ah, we need to work on that. But instead, no, this is, the dress is red. The problem is the punk, not the lack of respect and the lack of Derek Heretz and the whole sheer. The project is the punk, the red dress, the smoke detector, the no guards at the shul's door. This is what's happening. So I, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the malachim, the world of angels. So they're like, oh my gosh, we have seven new angels in the, up in Shemayim. Oh my gosh, the Jewish nation, they must be so tzibrachim. Wow, the world, I mean, everybody must be walking around in Flatbush, so broken, trying to figure out, you know, should they be more tzniyah, should they light candles early, right? What they should do, because, you know, such a tragedy when it happens in your community, it's, it's a speech to your community, and so the malachim come down the next morning, and they want to hear, like, like people are going to, like, start being tzniyah, and, sh- and, and Shabbos, and, and, and what do they hear? You better go get a smoke alarm! And the angels are like, oh my gosh, that's what they got. Yes, you do need to get a smoke alarm if you don't have one. And you do need to check it and don't pull it off because the battery is making noise. That's a very important thing. Ushamatam is a mitzvah in the Torah like any other mitzvah, like keeping Shabbos. Is any other mitzvah? Yes, you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes because Ushamatam is Nafshechem. Yes, you have to have a smoke alarm and, a, and carbon dioxide is a, is a, is a, is a crazy thing because people just don't wake up and, 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 and it's an alarm that a person has to have. There is such an alarm, you just plug it into the socket. You don't gotta put nothing on the roof. You don't gotta climb up, put screws in. Go to any store that sells electronics. You tell them that you want a carbon dioxide alarm. You just stick it in to the outlet. It has a light on it. It, it, Sometimes they have it together with a smoke alarm. It's a very easy thing to have. And will that save your life if you're supposed to not be alive? No, it won't because the boiler can blow up and you can have all the smoke alarms you want. It's not going to help you, right? But you have to do that because you're not allowed to put yourself in danger. And if you don't have a smoke alarm in your house, and you don't have a carbon dioxide, then you're putting yourself in danger. And you don't need to be, have a, a din in the, in the in the next world. So no, you're not allowed to put yourself in danger. If you have to put on your seatbelt. Ah, if I'm supposed to die, the seatbelt won't help me. And if I'm not supposed to die, 
who needs a seatbelt? No, you're not allowed to put yourself in sakana. So when you get into a car, you need to put it, you need to put on a seatbelt. And if you have a baby, you need to strap him into a, into a car seat. You can't just say, well, if it's not meant to be, what's the difference? That's for sure. That's the, that's not the ikr here. That's not the ikr. So I feel very much that, you know, that a Chavez, and yes, if, if your mother is yelling at you, you have to think about what did I do not that my mother's crazy, but what did I do to get her so aggravated? My mother doesn't usually yell, and today she really let me have it. So instead of like, aha, uh-huh, uh, she needs therapy, my mother needs therapy, it's what did I do to cause her to act like that? Don't focus on the detail. Focus on the important things. So that's my take of, uh, that's my take of what happened. I don't know. I'm definitely going to try to be more sensitive that when I see Chilul Shabbos to make sure that, 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 to realize that it bothers me more. And altogether, I'm going to try to be more sensitive about Shabbos. It's not the hot plate. Lo Hanachash Memis. Very famous Gemara. It's not the snake that kills you. Ela Hachet. It's the sin that kills you. There's a famous story where there was someone, a big tani was davening Shmon Esrei. And there was a snake on his foot. Or he was stepping on a snake, or there was a snake in the hole, whatever it was. And his Talmudim asked him, either the snake, I think the snake bit, and the snake died, or whatever happened. And the Talmudim asked him, like, why weren't you scared? And he said, the snake doesn't kill you, the sin kills you. These children, according to the Zayar, were kabbanas for us because of because of achatam, not because of the fire. Or the it's not the it's not the fire that killed them. It's it's the 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 door of whatever that zayar. I don't know. It must have been. I was thinking about the Shabbos. I don't know what was supposed to happen, but for Hashem to sign because nothing can happen to sign that seven children in one family. That's like Hannah and her seven children. Hashem to sign that Zera. The, the, the other edict that was against us must have been so big that Hashem had to sign that to save all of us. I don't know what it was. Maybe this is what's going to bring Mashiach. I don't know exactly. I can't answer. That, that part, I'm not big enough to answer. But it happened on Shabbos. It's a message on Shabbos. So, that's what happened on Monday when I spoke about it. And guess what came out on Tuesday? On Tuesday, Rav Chaim Kayanevsky. Gadol Hador said, was quoted, that somebody came to him in Eretz Yisrael that his house burned down on Shabbos. A very firm man. Everyone got out. And he came to Rav Chaim and he said, uh, what should I do? And Rav Chaim said, if it burnt down on Shabbos, look into your Hilcha Shabbos. So when Rav Chaim, I said, oh, Rav Chaim said it, then I'm not so off the mark. It happens on Shabbos and Shabbos. So all of us, and if I'm wrong, and if this whole thing, your Wallstein, is so wrong, had nothing to do with Shabbos, so it's a schus for those seven if you light five minutes early. It's a schus for those seven if you daven on Shabbos. It's, it's definitely not something bad. I'm not asking you to fast 40 days. I'm not asking you to beat yourselves up. I'm asking everyone that I think it's Shabbos, and therefore we should all take on something Shabbos. And if I'm wrong, so you get an extra five minutes of Shabbos, you're all going to get a bigger mitzvah. It's going to be in this chus. So then, 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 it's good for us. It's good for them. It's good for everyone. So let me be wrong. So if I'm wrong, manishtana. Pesach, manishtana.
What's the difference? I'm not asking anyone here to fast. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming anyone. It's something that we need to we need to we need to work on our Shabbos. Every person on his own. Everyone knows their own thing. I don't know everyone's Shabbos. We just need to do something extra. I don't know. Maybe buy something extra. Maybe get ready five minutes. Maybe not use the eighteen minutes. Maybe go to shul on Shabbos. Whatever you can do to improve your Shabbos, I think very much would um, definitely help the situation. Okay. Different versions of the names, the mother and the daughter that's the So, uh, so uh, I started with Gila Bas Francis. Right. The mother's Gila Bas Francis. Wait, a quick, one second. And I got a text message with their names. Was it daughter? Please, David, for Gila Bas Francis and Sipora Bas Gila. I heard that the daughter is doing very much better. I think she might even get out of the hospital soon. We don't know. We don't understand that. What do we understand? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she's in, a, in one of those chambers, you know, that special hyper or whatever. Hashem Yishmar. We don't. We don't know anything. We know we don't know anything, but what what's wrong with what's wrong with with growing, right? Doing it, growing cannot hurt. All right, you ready for this? This you got to take home for for Pesach, Miriam. This one you haven't heard yet. Let's see if we can stump Miriam tonight. So this guy came to my office to collect tzedakah, and he's always we always talk Torah, always talk Torah. He says to me, "I'm going to ask you a question." And I don't want you to be upset if you don't know the answer. Okay? So he sort of was telling me, there's no way you know the answer. So I like these kind of questions. I'm like, okay. I said, what is it on? He says the Haggadah. I'm like, he's not. I, I know my Haggadah. There's no way he's going to ask me a question that I don't have some kind of answer. He says, I said, what part of the Haggadah? He says, Haggadah. Now it happens to be that Haggadah is the last thing we say. I mean, not me. I say Enkelokeinu and Shirashirim and other things. But the Haggadah ends with Chagadja. I always feel like we should start the Haggadah, you know, every year we start with Holach Ma'anya, Avadam Ha'inu, Manashtana, and we end with Chagadja. And it's not fair. Because from Kaddish Rechatz till the meal usually takes about three and a half, four hours. From after benching, that last part with all the songs takes about eight minutes. Right? So the last part of the Haggadah, everything they wrote, doesn't get any attention. So I felt that one year we should start from Chagadja, and then the next year we should start from Halach Ma'anya, so that we should give the backside of the Haggadah some... But anyway, so half the people are sleeping by that time. But it happens to be that I like Chagadja because I know it's very Kabbalistic, and I learned many years ago what each thing stands for, you know, the Gadja uh, the, 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 that Hashem bought, this Ban Abe betrayed Zuzay, the father bought the goat with two zuze with two two coins so in Kabbalah it says the father is Hashem we're the Gajah his children Hashem bought us with two coins what are the two coins? the the, the two tablets so it's all right Asakash Baruch he's going to kill the Macham Avis that, that's Mashiach and it's very fascinating so I'm like this guy's not he's not stopping me so he says the following listen to this question he says okay so the father bought a gadja, a goat, for two zuzim. 
Right? Natural. That's a normal story. Wa'atha Shunra. Along came a cat. Right? And ate the gajah. Okay, so it was a bobcat. It wasn't a little pussy cat. It was a bobcat. And the bobcat ate the goat. That makes sense. Okay. Along came a kalba, a dog. Dogs eat cats. Dog eats the cat. Along comes the stick. Along comes the fire. Along comes the water. The cow drinks the water. The shaykh kills the cow. That's how you have steak, right? And then the machamavis, which I was always scared as a kid, because it has a picture of the machamavis with a knife killing the killing the sheikh. I used to not look at that part of my Haggadah. Very scary with skulls and bones and other. Ah! I never looked at that. And um, I have this Haggadah that has very scary pictures. Um, very famous painter. I forgot the artist's name. What's his name? Pollock? Not Gadi Pollock. Very famous. Um... Okay, whatever it is. And then... And then, yay, Hashem comes, and he shechs the Malacham Oves, and Mashiach's here. So this man says to me, so everything makes sense except one thing. It says, but also, the stick came and hit the dog. Sticks don't walk. What does it mean the stick came and hit the dog? How does a stick hit a dog? Stick can't hit a dog. A dog can eat a cat, and a cat can eat a goat. And, and fire can, can, can burn wood, and water can put out the fire, and the cow can drink the water, and the, 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 the sheikh can kill the cow, and the machamavas kill the person. That all makes sense. But what does it mean? The, the, the stick came and hit the dog. A stick can't come and hit a dog. It, it should say, and a man came and he took a stick and he hit the dog. He says, what is this, what is this talking about? It's impossible. A stick can't hit a dog. A stick can't do nothing. Leave it on the floor. I'm like, one second, let me look at, it says, yeah, it says, the stick came and hit the dog. But the stick can't come and hit the dog. The stick doesn't have a life. It's dead. I was like, I cannot believe this. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm at least saying that God for 53 years. You're right. It doesn't say a man with a stick came and hit the dog. It says the stick hit the dog. It doesn't say the stick hit the dog. It says the stick came and hit the dog. He said, how did the stick get there? I was like, I am embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Chagadja, a simple question. Miriam, huh? what do you think? How did the stick get there? It doesn't say anybody was holding the stick. It says, you're right. If it said the man was holding the stick. So what is the Baal Haggadah trying to tell us here? He didn't make a mistake. He said something unbelievable. He said... So this story has a meaning, and and it was and 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 each part of it was another part of Klai Yisrael's gullus. I think the dog was the dog was the Buchanetza, whatever. Each part, each one of this, you know, we're the Gedi, the Jewish nation Gedi, and the Shunra is another another gullus. Each part is another gullus. He says, and it's very much connected to the, to what happened last Shabbos. So so when you look at it, it looks like nature. Cats, dogs eat cats. Cats eat goats. Fire burns wood, water puts out the fire, cows drink water, people shecht animals, people die, and Moshiach comes out. So it looks like it's very natural. So the Balhagada puts something in to tell you that all these things, cows drinking water, water putting out a fire, all these things that look natural, there's someone behind all of this. So the stick is in Hashem's hand. But Hashem, we don't see. He's hidden. 
So when it says Asa, when the stick came and hit the dog, how did it get there? It got there through something that you don't see, which is a Kurdish Baruch Well, you need to know, the Malagadah puts that in the middle, that you need to know that all these other parts of my story that look like nature, animal eat animal, fire, what? Ah, there's no such thing as nature. That the, the hand that's behind everything is a Kurdish Baruch So this, So just like a stick which has no life can come hit a dog and that's like, it's a miracle, it's impossible, God must be doing it. You, you need to know that all these other things that look natural, they're not natural. So he stuck that in in the middle on purpose. And he said there are other turutsim brought down. I mean, the question is amazing. He said there are other answers. He said, I don't have them. You should go look them up. He told me, you go look them up, whatever it is. And I will just pay time, try to find the answers. Because the question's a bomb. The question's a bomb. How did the stick show up? The shear that you gave in the matzah and Moshe. Right. It's the same idea. It's the same idea. Right. Well, he asked Moshe, do you understand the, the, right. Right. But this is, this is a bomb question. It's a bomb question. You sit by the, you sit by the Seder with all the guys from, all the guys from Yeshiva and your brothers and all the Lamdanim. You're like, can I ask a question? And you hit them with this question. How did the stick get, how did the stick hit the dog? There was nobody holding it. You got the answer. Okay. That'll, that'll, that'll blow them away. Okay. We're going to end with one other thought, which I think also was very important. Which will help us a little bit deal with what happened on Shabbos. So, everything is a simon. Everything in the, in the Seder plate is a simon. Matzah is lechem oni. You break it, a person's broken. We were, we were avadim before, you know, I made fun of what happened last week, whatever it is. You know, I went into a wine store. I told you, I went to a wine store. They're spending $150 on a bottle of wine. And the guys were having a whole discussion. Special reserve and the cave and oh, you know, they're busy with the wines for Pesach, whatever, which is very nice. Don't get me wrong. And it's $150 for a bottle of wine. That's, that's crazy, right? And, but Pesach, so I was standing there and they were like, schnitz, like, like these young rich guys, you know, they're like, they're having this whole wine discussion, which we never had as when I grew up, it was cream malaga. Six dollars a bottle. Six dollars a bottle. And you got pretty sick. It was like 40% sugar. Right? Today, it's special reserve. And they have a, a back room. With, and you can't even get into the back room. And special wines. Uh, Alamysis. Okay. Anyway. So, you know me. Things bother me. You know? And these guys are talking about it. And, and I like. So, I said, by the way, why are you buying? Like, you're spending a lot of money. Thousands of dollars on wine. Why are you buying all this? And they're like, oh, this is for the, for the four cups. I'm like, you know, I don't remember. Do you remember, maybe one of you guys remember, like, like, what do the cup, like, represent? Like, there's a, a word in the Torah for each cup. The have they, like, something with a the. They're looking at me. I don't know, you're supposed to drink four cups, Rabbi Wallace. I'm like, I know, but, but why four cups? Like, what does each one represent? Like, how are they different? No idea. So I'm like, you're spending all this money on the four cups, you don't even know what they are! You don't even know, again, it's the details! You're spending $150 a bottle of wine and you don't know? The, the, that one bottle is Vlakachti, 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 you, you don't even know what they stand for? And like, what about that middle bottle, that middle, that, right? Okay, Shalio, that's Eliyahu's cup. I'm like, well, what does it stand for? If each one stands for something, and how come we don't drink a fifth cup? How come we don't drink a fifth cup? If you have a fifth cup, drink the fifth cup. Oh, you know, even though you shake the table and tell the kids he's drinking, right? He never, you never saw him drink the whole cup, right? You use it for kiddush the next day. Why don't you drink the next? Because 
the fifth cup, which is called the Kaisha Eliyahu, is from the Pasik's word Vehevesi, where Hashem said, I'm going to bring you to Eretz Yisrael. So the fifth one is Vehevesi. You can't drink Vehevesi because Mashiach didn't come yet. So the next day you drink it as Kiddush, but in the, in the, in the Seder you can't drink it because the Hevesi is Mitzvah Hashem. We will drink it. Hevesi is when you go into Eretz Yisrael. So here we are. We're drinking wine. We're spending thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars. This, and you don't even know why you're drinking the wine. So again, it's the detail. It's the lady in the wedge. What did you get from the whole story? What did you get from the whole Seder? When you walk out of the Seder, that wine was worth a hundred. It was amazing. That matzah was the thinnest matzah we ever had. Ma, your soup this year blew away every other soup. Hello? That's the details. You're supposed to be feeling that you came out of Mitzrayim. You came out of your Mitzrayim. How did your life change? It ain't the matzo ball. It's not the afikoman. It's what the afikoman stands for. Why do we eat afikoman? Why do we hide afikoman? Anyone here know why you hide afikoman? To keep the kids out. To what? Like you're hiding away on Hava, like you're uh, <laughs> the two halves of, of the world. Okay, uh, but why? Why? So one reason brought down is to keep the kids up. Okay, but the the secret reason is no ridiculous reason. We want to teach our yes. Because um, we're showing that the um, smaller piece of this world, and we think that this world is great, but the bigger piece is hidden, and that's all the Hava is even greater than what's Right, that's what you were saying. So that's one of the reasons. But there's a very Kabbalistic reason. We want to teach it specifically for children. So that's a lesson that we should all get for adults, right? But specifically for children, we want them to, to learn how to look for things that are, that are hidden from the eye. It really represents the bigger piece, represents a Kodesh Baruch Hu, represents spirituality. You can't sit at the table and just say, I'm a from, I don't got to do any work, I'm going to be close to Hashem. So we teach our little children that to, to, to win the prize in life, you got to search. You can't just sit there. The one that you sit, the, the piece of matzah that's sitting there, you're going to eat with all the other matzah. But you have to teach your children that if you want to win a prize, you have to search. And you have to look. So the minog, it's interesting, the, there's two minog, and one is that the father hides it and the kids find it, and one is it that the kids find it and the father hides it. Really, right, the, the father is supposed to hide it, right, and the kids are supposed to find it. The father represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the children represents Klai Yisro, and we're supposed to find him. So we're teaching our children, go look for the Afikom and go look for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In all the places, go look, go work. And if you work, guess what? At the end, you're going to get a very special prize. From who? From the Father, from the Kodesh Baruch. It's a very deep meaning, right? But if it's like, where's the Afikoman already? We want a bench. Come on. Don't hide the Afikoman. Here's the Afikoman. Here's your prize. I don't, want, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to start searching through all the rooms. Afikoman. Afikoman. Oh, he hit it. Okay, let's go. One, two, three. You don't even have to hide it. I'm going to take you to Toys R Us this year. You missed the whole thing. So, so there's one simon, and we'll end with this. There's one simon, which is charoises, and I talk about this all the time. Did I speak about this last week? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did. So, right. So that, that simon of charoises, which I think is so important, specifically for what just happened. So, charoises is a simon for the babies in the wall. 
right? And it's and and the halacha is that you have to use wine. It has to be sweet, and it doesn't make any sense. The babies in the wall that the Jews had, that, that, that the Mitzvah took our children and put them in the wall as bricks is is the is the most terrible thing that could ever happen to us. But in the end, it's, we learned the Medrash last week that because of that, Hashem destroyed the Mitzvah because they weren't commanded to put the children in the wall. So even though the gezerah looks so terrible, that gezerah in the end saves Klai Yisrael. And the reason we take our Mara, which is bitter, and dip it into this is because Mara is the things that we go through hard, that we go through in life that are very hard. The tragedy that just happened, it's very hard. Specifically on the family, but even, it's very hard to understand, right? To see. But when you dip it in the, when you dip it in the charosis and you understand that what we see is talking a very terrible thing, the Xero putting babies in the wall, it's also a terrible thing. But the Zayar is telling you, but you know what these seven kids just did for us? They broke Xero. They saved our lives. So that even though this was a tragedy, and nobody would want this to happen to them. At the end of the day, there is a sweetness, says desire in this. And the sweetness is that had they not died in this fire, it would have been a lot, a lot, a lot, a million times worse. So that is, on, on Pesach's night, we lost four-fifths of Klai Yisrael. It wasn't, wasn't such a great time. It was a holocaust to lose four-fifths of Klai Yisrael. But at the end of the day, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, even though four-fifths of us, maybe we should have stayed in Mitzrayim, there were six million Jews, or three million Jews stayed in Mitzrayim, instead of 600,000 getting out, and, 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 and 2,400, 2,400,000 being killed. Maybe we should have stayed in Mitzrayim. And the answer is, no, even though that was a big tragedy night, Choshef, People's families died out. I mean, you're talking about one-fifth. So 80% of Kleistrol died that night. 80% of Kleistrol died in Choshech. That's, that's crazy tragedy, right? Maybe we should have been better. Leaving 100, 100%, 100% of Jews in slavery, maybe it's better than 20% of Jews in freedom. Right? You have a choice. 100%, 100% of Jews in slavery, or 80% of them are going to die and 20% go out. I, if I'm the leader, I'm like 100% in slavery. But the answer is that through Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we became a nation, we became the Jewish nation. Through that, we got the Torah. Through that, we are who we are today. And the base of and everything that we have. So even though it looked very bitter, like but in the end of the day, things that look very tragic, they are very tragic. Don't get me wrong. They are very tragic. But you have to know in your heart that with this din, of losing such beautiful children and happens to be that I'm very, I know one of the, one of the boys teacher, she said, Red Wallstein, I'm not saying, you don't understand the kid was a malach. He wasn't just another kid in my class. He this kid, these seven kids were pure, beautiful children. They were great. Every, every teacher is saying like, this was the best kid in my class, right? So this is tragedy. But we need to know in our hearts that even though this is tragedy, that they're in a place that even the malachim can't see them. Right? In such a high place. And we need to know that in this tragedy, we need to learn from it. We need to grow from it. If we grow from it and we learn from it, the next year, we'll be in the Beit HaMikdash. You should all have an amazing, an amazing Pesach. The whole Klayasrol should have an amazing Pesach. And you need to sit by the Seder and figure out what part of your soul, your spirituality was in, slave, was in slavery this year? And take one little piece and make it free. Whatever it is. I'm not giving you musr. Whatever it is I have to do that, we have to do that, we have to do that all together. And Bezrat um, Hashem, the Kreis Sheh 
should finally come to fruition. We shouldn't just have to shake the table, but it should become Behevesi, where Kodesh Baruch Hu takes his children and brings us back to Eretz Yisrael. Have a Chakash of You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.